Welcome to Conversations with Craig. I'm Craig DeRoche, the president and CEO of Family Policy Alliance. This is a very special week. It's time for the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. Every year, tens of thousands of people come together to celebrate life. But this year's March is a little different than the rest because Roe versus Wade is no more. Today, I have Jeannie Mancini, the president of March for Life, with me to talk about what makes this march so unique and why we're still marching even with Roe overturned. But before we hear from Jeannie, it's time for One Minute with Craig, where I give my take on a topic of the week in only 60 seconds. Here we go. Three, two, one. Have you ever heard of a speed limiter? It's a device that limits the top speed a car can go. Cars have them built in to stop you from going at unsafe speeds, but you can use limiters to set speeds even lower. So imagine that someone adds a speed limiter that prevents your car from going over, say, 30 miles an hour. Even if you really need to go faster, maybe on the highway or on the way to the hospital, you'll never be able to go more than 30 miles an hour. Here's my take. Roe versus Wade was a speed limiter in the movement to end abortion in America. The pro-life movement has been around for years, and they were before uh, Roe versus Wade. But under Roe versus Wade, pro-life lawmakers were speed limited. They could build the engine to end abortion, but Roe versus Wade would keep them from doing anything more than the bare minimum. Last summer, that speed limiter, thank God, was finally removed. No longer is the Supreme Court artificially stopping us from ending abortion. That doesn't mean that we've arrived yet. We have more laws to pass, and more importantly, we have hearts to change. And that's going to take time, but there's no more an artificial speed limiter, and that is worth celebrating. That's my take for today. Now, I'm pleased to introduce Jeannie Mancini as the president of March for Life. Jeannie Mancini is dedicated to restoring a culture that values and protects the right to life for every person. Jeannie has been a voice of the voiceless throughout her work. She's a pro-life author, writing pieces for the New York Times, USA Today, Washington Post, and Fox News. Stay tuned for my interview with Jeannie. When you drop off your child at school, you expect them to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. But what if they are learning a completely different set of lessons? What would you do if you found out your child was learning about gender fluidity, being given contraceptives, or playing sports against someone of the opposite sex? This is why we made Back to School for Parents, a free, comprehensive guide to protecting your children in the classroom. Learn about your rights and your children's rights, plus receive guidance on how to talk to your children about sensitive and difficult subjects. Visit the link in the show notes to get your free copy today so you can have peace of mind while your child is at school. I can't tell you how excited I am every year, this time of year, in January, this week, uh, there is something called the March for Life in Washington, D.C., where Christians and just pro-life uh, advocates and warriors from all over America come together and marching and letting our elected officials know that we're uh, uh, crying out for change. We're trying, we're, we're crying out to protect the lives of children. Listen, folks, God has never made a throwaway person, not a single one, ever. And uh, as soon as our government tells us that one life 
isn't worthy of the protection of our Constitution and our laws, it won't be long before none of our lives matter. So we have a very special guest with us today to join us, Ms. Jeannie Mancini. She's one of the most wonderful and talented leaders I have the privilege of working with in America. She's the president of the, is hosting this wonderful um, event this week. Jeannie, thank you for being with us at Family Policy Alliance. Oh, thank you, Craig, for your kind words. And I'm so grateful for all of the wonderful work that you do and your wonderful team does. Uh, for our audience, Jeannie, what, what is the uh, March for Life? And uh, you know, how did you get started? What are your expectations for this year? The March for Life is the largest, longest running human rights demonstration worldwide. It's really hard to believe we've been going. This will be our 50th March for Life this year. So, um, and of course, we began when Roe was handed down by the Supreme Court uh, in 1973. So the first March was the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton. Um, sadly, we don't end with this momentous victory of Roe being overturned only because the human rights abuse of abortion has grown and grown. And I think all of us can agree that it's far from over in the United States. So we still very much have our work cut out for us, um, but it's phased a little bit differently now. Well, and that is all true. I think a lot of people... Um you know, when you, when they heard the ruling and, and a lot in the secular left would say like abortion is now banned in America is the way it was marketed and, and we need to fight to restore abortion. But uh, the truth is it's it's still readily available in the in the risk, the ghoulish uh, uh, advocacy of the other side is actually trying to make it more available across state lines, uh, uh, the rule of law and, and really um, trying to separate how we value human beings based on a you know, uh, the date of, of, of how old they are and whether or not they've been born. And it, it, it's a dark time in America. Uh, tell us, you you expecting good crowds? Like you, you, you said, you know, the, the, the fight continues and it does because more than half of our states um, still um, legalize. And in fact, in many of these subsidize abortions. So do you think that that's going to provide energy to continue the March for Life this year? I absolutely do. So, um, yes, we're expecting, you know, big crowds. I think we'll have another banner year. And yes, uh, the human rights abuse of abortion continues in our country. So from what we can see, Craig, and your team knows this best, um, we'll likely have, even in a post-row America, well over 700,000 abortions every year. And, you know, any abortion is one too many. And it's wonderful that there's more freedom at the states now to enact good laws um, and that many states are doing so. But we still have our work very much cut out for us. And not only at the states, but there's been a lot of confusion about the role of the federal government and the federal um, legislature in still um, doing the good work that they do when it comes to life, even things like working towards the Hyde Amendment, which is arguably the most impactful pro-life public policy ever in the history of our country, saving well over two million lives. And of course, that is just the um, prohibition of taxpayer dollars going for most abortions. So we um, we will continue very much to have the marchers voice heard at the federal level and also at the state level, as your team very well knows. Yeah, so um, you're, you're making a case for, and I think it's important that our audience understand this that effort we we can't um just say that we're done because you know 30 or 40 states have have limited abortion um, there's also an effort um uh to change our federal laws uh, um through congress now with a divided congress um 
that's not necessarily something that can be done easily. But what are some of the areas in federal policy? Um, is is it still the spending of, of, of where you know the energy gets uh, focused because that's more uh, prevention uh, uh, rather than passing something like a, a positive uh, prohibition? Or, or uh, what, what, what do you see us doing federally over the next couple of years? Well, sort of all of the above. So uh, just last night, for example, there was news that the FDA, which of course is under the Biden administration, is releasing even more oversight of chemical abortion, which by the way, when chemical abortion was approved, it was in the year 2000 under a pro-life administration, very sadly, it was rushed, politicized, flawed. And when just in the context of women's health, which you can never sort of make this just about one thing because it's taking the life of a mom, of a, of a baby and wounding the mom, but just in the context of women's health, chemical abortion is so much harder on women than surgical abortion. And what we're seeing with this government right now and this administration is that they're um, undoing oversight, basically regulatory oversight of that dangerous chemical abortion regimen. So that's one example of what we need to continue to battle for at the federal level. But I mentioned, you know, the Hyde Amendment. I think that's very important. And um, different groups have different perspectives on what kind of gestational limits should be included. Um, And so, of course, and again, there's been a fair bit of confusion around this. I, I spoke with one congressman who was concerned that his wonderful laws in Oklahoma would um, be hurt by a federal ban that was perhaps later than Oklahoma right now. But they they wouldn't undo any of the good state laws that are already happening. That would be, for example, Senator Graham had introduced a 15-week pain-capable bill, also introduced by Chris Smith on the House side. So so laws like that, we'd be very favorable towards at the March for Life. But there's not a, a lack of you know bills or laws or ideas of ways to build a culture of life and to protect life at the federal level and the state level in these days ahead. Yeah, and it's it's so important that we're involved in both. And Family Policy Alliance and the Family Policy Councils are uh, folks. If if you're listening, uh, we are here with Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life the largest pro-life and, and really one of the largest advocacy events in America and, and longest serving, their 50th anniversary that we're celebrating this year. This week will be um, a great many, a great multitude of people out there uh, fighting for the lives of each and every person. Jeannie, my next question is about the state uh, marches for life. It is, it you know, we are um, sovereign states. The, the states created the government, not the other. And there's a lot more success that is being enjoyed in a, in, in a great number of states right now. And in your organization is strategically um, included March for Life in, in uh, state marches as well. Is that true? And, and how how is the organization coming along with those? Great question. Thank you for asking it. So back in April of 2019, we had our inaugural Virginia March for Life in my home state. And we worked with um, groups very much like the ones that you work with, Virginia Family Foundation, and at that point, the Catholic Conference and 
um, and the Right to Life chapter in Virginia and organized a march. And we got over 7,000 people out for that first march on the steps of the Virginia Capitol in Richmond. It was incredible. Since then, even in a COVID environment, we've grown to in 2022, we had five state marches, um, all of them really spectacular. So our plan in 2023 is to be in 10 states and we're aggressively moving into all excuse me, all of the states over the next five to seven years. So um, like I said, we work with our partners on the ground, whether it's the Family Policy Council or the Catholic Conference or the State Right to Life chapter, because they're the ones who, you know, really know what's happening and the legislation that needs to be worked towards, et cetera. Well, folks, if you're at home, we want you to get involved with your time, your talent, your treasure of the organizations that put on these marches. Uh, Jeannie, it's been a privilege to be with you. For my last question is um, one of encouragement. Could you give our audience some encouragement about what, what you're looking at for 2023? And if you've noticed God working anywhere in particular that we could all be praying for and supporting. Absolutely. Gosh, I feel like everywhere I'm looking, I'm, I'm seeing him work right now. But let me, I'm going to give a little bit of a, maybe a different answer to that, a historical perspective. So abortion, again, is a human rights abuse issue. And when we look back upon our country and some of the other human rights abuses, um, we can see that in terms of Supreme Court decisions and, and public opinion and what have you, that uh, Plessy v. Ferguson, which basically legalized discrimination in the United States um, to the time of Brown v. Board of Education, which totally undid that um, really human rights abuse there, uh, took 58 years. Um, and when the Supreme Court case Loving uh, v. Virginia came down, which basically legalized interracial marriage, which is so hard for us to get our head around right now, that was in the 1970s and only 4% of Americans were favorable towards such a decision. So why do I share those uh, those Supreme Court cases and public opinion? Folks, in just 50 years, we've been able to overturn Roe and most Americans are pro-life, depending on how you ask the question. And we just need to continue to work to change hearts and minds. And to remember this is a spiritual battle. I'm a big fan of praying and fasting. I think that's the best uh, tools that we have in this battle. But, um, and again, we're just so grateful to partner, Craig, with your wonderful organization and so grateful for any of your viewers that would be praying and fasting for the march and participating in it. Well, thank you, Jean. You know how busy you are. This is an amazing and incredible and difficult uh, week to pull off. And uh, God bless you for the glory it brings to him uh, for doing this. Our organization is going to remain steadfastly in support of the March for Life. And uh, folks, uh, please, uh, we, we hope that you uh, heed the call uh, from Miss Jeannie Mancini, the president of March for Life, who's been with us, that you pray, uh, uh, that, that you fast, if you can work that into your schedule, and that if you can, that you'll check out March for Life, you'll check into Family Policy Alliance if you can't get involved. Uh, this week that you'll support the organizations that put this on and uh, Jeannie it's been a privilege and I'll I'll see you out there and in, in hopefully uh, good weather this this year <laughs> sounds great Craig see you later this week
Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you left as inspired as I did. Family Policy Alliance will be at the March for Life event this year. And if you're there, don't be shy. Come by and say hello. We'd love to share a free sign with you for you to raise at the March. Once again, I'm Craig DeRoche, the president and CEO of Family Policy Alliance. And this is Conversations with Craig. We'll talk to you again real soon. Conversations with Craig is brought to you by Family Policy Alliance. Our vision is a nation where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished.